My name is Jason Doldine, and I'm the host of Reaching Roots, a podcast with a goal to make life easier for parents and families so they can reach further. We're talking to people who inspire us with their journey, tell us about the problems they are solving, and provide us insight that helps us and our children learn and grow. Dr. Ashley Miller is a child and adolescent psychiatrist at the BC Children's Hospital. She specializes in family therapy and psychotherapy for children and teens. Dr. Miller is a speaker, award-winning educator, and co-author of the book, What to Say to Kids When Nothing Seems to Work. COVID-19 has changed how our children interact with the world around them. Isolation, restrictions, and lockdowns have altered their perceptions. With schools closed, social contacts limited, and outside activities canceled, children have lost structure and peer connections that are so important for their well-being. Quarantines have decreased freedom and privacy. Screen time and online activity has increased significantly along with the risks associated with it. Parents are being asked to help homeschool while working from home and do it with no access to their usual support system. Creating further distress for the whole family is potential income loss, economic hardship, and the stress of protecting loved ones from getting sick. This family tension negatively impacts mental health and increases the chances of domestic violence against children. This only has greater impact to those in more vulnerable socioeconomic groups. While so much of what is talked about COVID is negative, there are also positive impacts to children from the current situation. Children are learning online, using more digital technologies, and acquiring new skills that will benefit them for the rest of their life. There is more family time, richer relationships, greater parent involvement, and the opportunity for nurturing positive growth in children. Other benefits include a reprieve for parents and children from an overstructured and overbooked lifestyle of schools and sporting activities, a greater appreciation for nature and the outdoors, and more chances to teach our children domestic skills like cooking, cleaning, and household chores. As part of her work, Dr. Miller runs support groups for teens with depression and is passionate about having family and caregivers involved in the mental health treatment of children and youth. Ashley is also the author of a new book, What to Say to Kids When Nothing Seems to Work. In this book, parents will find real life examples that help them understand their kids' behavior and emotions. This book provides insights on how parents can make educated guesses about what their children are feeling validating those feelings and providing concrete support strategies to help manage current and future situations in a way that leaves everyone feeling better. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Ashley Miller about the impacts of the pandemic on your children's mental health and how you can support and manage their emotions and behavior. Okay, welcome Ashley. Hi Jason. It's uh, great to have you here. What an interesting topic we're going to talk about today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So actually, before we sort of dive into it, why don't you tell me a little bit about just your background and, uh, you know, how you um, came to uh, do what you're doing in terms of uh, child psychology? Sure. So I was actually born and raised in Montreal. And as a kid, I was really interested in family relationships, my own, my friends, and just sort of noticing how often people 
didn't get each other's perspectives. And if you could just help translate a little bit between two people and mediate that things could really work out well, it's, it's all a question of perspective taking and not judging that the other person has negative intentions, right? Seeing the right. sort of positive intentions. So as a, as a kid, I was already interested in this kind of thing. And then I, as I um, got older and went to medical school, I knew I wanted to do child psychiatry and I wanted to be able to help parents see the perspective of their kids. And I also really saw that one thing that was common to all the different kinds of problems that kids might have is that parents and caregivers were the biggest supports and that if the parent-child relationship could go more smoothly, that regardless of the problems kids were having, they would do better. Right. So that's where I got really interested in family therapy. Oh, amazing. Yeah. You know, mediating, mediating anything is definitely a, a unique skill and it's hard. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm certainly interested in learning more about that. So tell me about, <clears throat> you know, so obviously you talk about the parent and child relationship. Uh, you know, parents are just inherently busy and uh, that tends to be uh, really the cause for a lot of that kind of tension, right? Because we, we don't give it enough time to really kind of mediate uh, a discussion with our children. Um, sometimes we just dictate. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of, um, you know, uh, that kind of relationship between parent and child and, and how people could sort of improve on that? Well, I think you mentioned the key uh, fact, first of all, which is that we're so busy and I'm a mom of two kids. So I, I know what it's like to be so busy that you just can't, you don't feel like you have uh, a minute, let alone 10 minutes or an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, ha we have this saying that my co-author, Dr. Adela France introduced me to that uh, as a parent, if you act like you have a minute, it'll take an hour. But if you act like you have an hour, it'll take a minute. And I really found That's that great. to be to be true. So it, the strategies we talk about in our book really do take as little as one to two minutes, but can save you so much time. It's just that stance of like, okay, I've got to focus on what's in front of me right now and try to put the other things aside just temporarily. And it'll really save you yeah. uh, time in the long run. That's wonderful. Cause you know, it's always like I could take the short path or the long path and we choose the short path and it ends up being the long path. That's really what That's you're saying, right. right? That's right, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, you know, we're in this pandemic. Uh, a lot of what I talked about in our intro was um, some of the things that uh, that maybe children are going through. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel kids are actually impacted with this pandemic today? Yeah, absolutely. I, so I think you um, really articulated this in the intro that different kids are affected differently. And some kids and families who were doing pretty well before, of course, there's stress being stuck at home together all the time, but you know they, they may already have pretty calm relationships. They might still be able to do some online extracurricular activities. They have good internet, they can do school or maybe their school's open. Um, so there's a lot of kids who are doing okay, but then you have a lot of kids who aren't doing so great. And we're just starting to get the research data that shows lower mood, more anxiety in kids and, and parents for sure. So it kind of depends on how much you were struggling before, how much support you had before. And of course, individual circumstances, if the parents are essential workers or working on COVID wards, I mean, obviously financial stress uh, for parents, that's gonna affect a family really differently. Yeah, 
it feels like there's so much, right? Everything from um, sort of isolation to just, you know, parents being overwhelmed with having to teach kids at school and work at the same time. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, you know, just safety, right? We're just being worried about safety. Any thoughts as to how parents should be kind of managing this situation? I mean, I think step number one is to recognize that kids don't really need a lot. Fundamentally, they need basic safety. So to know someone's in charge, someone loves them, someone's got their back, that they're right. following the safety protocols, and they need love and acceptance, you know, that you're there for them and you love them. And that's true if you're two, it's true if you're 22. So we need to take the pressure off ourselves a little bit as parents, the worries about even falling behind academically or they're not doing their extracurricular activity like that stuff is icing on the cake but it's not the basics and right. as parents if, if we put too much pressure on ourselves then we can get into like a kind of paralysis or feel like oh my god you know i'm failing i can't do this and that's that's not going to be helpful for us or our kids so honestly yeah. being like kind to ourselves and uh, relaxing the pressure a bit is probably the most important thing to start with. Right, so it's a little bit, little bit of resetting our own expectations. Exactly, exactly. And, and by and large, I think schools and teachers have been like excellent with this, but every so often, if you have a, a certain environment that's putting a lot of pressure and you know your kid just cannot function at that level, whether it's a six-year-old doing full online school or it's a, 15 year old who is, you know, overloaded with their coursework, like as the parent or caregiver, you know what your kids limits and needs are. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, it's, it's a lot to ask even adults to sit in front of a computer screen for several hours and, and try to, you know, be focused, uh, let alone children. Any thoughts as to how we can kind of like help improve that kind of environment for our children? Honestly, I think it's about being realistic. And there are some six-year-olds who can do it. Most can't really. So if you can help them have breaks or just prioritize some outdoor play, um, reading things for fun, reading a cookbook together. I mean, yeah. it, just practical, practical things and realistic expectations. Yeah, so like providing a little bit of diversification to what you're doing so that they can sort of you know, context switch and, and get more focused on things. Oh, exactly. I mean, there's learning everywhere. There's learning everywhere. And of yeah. course it takes time if you're a parent working at home and you may not have that time, but in the evening, whatever you're doing, whether it's making dinner, whether it's folding the laundry, whether it's talking to your parent on uh, Skype, I mean, there's learning in all of those experiences. So um, trying right. to bring kids into it uh, is, that's not, that's going to be great for the kids. Yeah, that's such a great point because you know we think about sort of education as as academics for uh, for most part, but there's just so many other things that you know with the kids being around at home and you being having more time with them, we can maybe expose them to. Yeah, and trust me, I'm I'm you know a real nerd. Like I did medicine, <laughs> I always got straight A's. I know that. Yeah academics are important. And so I certainly wouldn't be critical of any parent of a grade 11 student or grade 12 student who is stressed about their child's future, that the teens are stressed too. But sure, yeah. teen, teens who with their family support decide, you know what, I'm going to delay my post-secondary application by six months here because I just need to focus on these specific courses. 
And we often have this time pressure, like it's got to be on the same schedule with everyone else, but it really doesn't. You know, people right. make it in many different ways and, and shapes and on many different schedules. Yeah. So a lot of these pressures are really self-inflicted. Well, there's, there, it's kind of the system, right? We grow up in this culture and all around us and then the other parents and the other kids and, and individually everyone says, oh, I don't care. It's fine. I just want my kid to be happy. But then when we're in the pressure cooker with everyone else, it's easy yeah. to lose sight of that. Yeah. You're, you're trying to basically be competitive, right? It's like keeping up with the Jones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to kind of um, talk a little bit about sort of uh, the impact of you know, a lot of things that you're actually talking about, obviously there's ways to manage it, but there are the negative impacts and looking at sort of um, families that maybe um, are in a lower socioeconomic kind of uh, place, you know, what are, what are the kind of choices that they have, right? Because parents really have to be, uh, parents have to put food on the table um, for all those purposes, right? So that's a very different level of stress than, um, you know, someone who, is, is better to do and, and you know, doesn't have to worry about those kind of things. Um, are there resources? Are there ways how parents should be thinking about um, you know, how they can sort of provide, um, provide care or provide sort of some support for their children in this situation? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think the key is that younger children really do need adult supervision. And I really feel for, for people, especially single parents who are, have to work, but it's, it's it, there always needs to be an adult present when, when kids are young. And I'm not sure how people are balancing that with public health restrictions, but there's got to be some common sense around that. Um, and that's where we worry about safety for kids who are too young left on their own. So there needs to be an adult caregiver. Um, for, for older kids, I think, again, it's just when you are there trying to have some connecting time with kids. It doesn't need to be tons, but if you can even get 15 minutes or it's half an hour, they're helping you with a chore, that connection and bond is what's yep. going to carry everyone through. It doesn't have to be tons of time, but it's yep. just having that consistent presence. Yeah. Like check in with them. Yeah. Check in with them and just have it be with them. Just, I think where we get lost these days is people will get disconnected on their devices and if you, if the only time you're home with your child, you're, you know, trying to relax by surfing the net and your child is playing video games, you know, it might be nice that you're in each other's presence, but it's not a real connection. Even watching a show together on yeah. Netflix or whatever is, is more connecting because you're at least watching the same thing and you can laugh about it together. Yeah. Good point. I mean, it's more of a family activity than an individual uh, activity. That's right. Yeah. Makes sense. So you talked about screens. Uh, obviously, uh, you know our kids are probably more on screens today than ever before, and uh, and they actually have an excuse to be on screens, especially with online learning and everything like that. Uh, any thoughts on um, whether these are these are kind of positive for our kids? Are they are they negative, and and how do we sort of make them uh, constructive overall? Yeah, it's a great question because not all screens are, are negative. There's a lot of positives, especially right now kids and teens are relying on screens for social connection with their friends. And that's probably really a net positive for the most part. Yeah. Um, the even, you know, playing video games can be a net positive, playing online chess or whatever can be a net uh, positive. Where we need to watch out is more with things like social media and 
also just the content specifically that our kids are viewing. So um, with social media, it can be um, getting negative feedback from their peers can really negatively affect mood. We see that especially with the, the tween and teen girls. Right. And, uh, but no one's immune, right? Adults too. And, uh, and with the just online content in general, we really want to make sure that we are monitoring what our kids are watching because there can be traumatic stuff that they see on there. Um, yeah. So kids always say, well, you know, it's my privacy. I need my privacy. But right. with this stuff, parents do need to um, take the reins somewhat and at least be watching and, and connected enough to see what's going on. Right. So, you know, you mentioned teens and tweens. I've got, I've got two of them, uh, two girls and a boy. Um, what, what is the approach? What should be the approach be for a parent? Um, you know, what, 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 what should we be guiding our children to do and not do on these things? I think with, um, with the younger kids, ideally you start as you mean to go on. So it's always easier to loosen the reins than it is to pull them back in. Um, if it's too late, you know, and it's already gone a bit farther, you still have some power, right? There can be earning screen time and there can be just having limits, which I think we all need relaxed yeah. during the pandemic, but still limits. That's, right. that's fair game, right? Parents yeah. have that. We pay for the stuff. We can, we can do that. But then there's the conversation with kids, but, oh, you know, being really interested and curious, looking at what they're doing, show me this not just always telling them get off the screen, get off, but like, oh, what are you watching? And can you show me and showing some interest? And then you can ask questions like, how does this, how do you feel when you watch this? And right. when you see that somebody hasn't liked your Instagram post or you don't get enough likes or whatever it is, oh, how does right. that affect you? And helping them connect the dots that sometimes their mood really does go down because of stuff on social media, because we're trying to raise adults, right? We're trying to raise kids who can figure out how their screen use is affecting them. Yeah. And that goes for bedtime and everything too. How is it when you don't sleep as much? Right, the right. The younger ones, for sure, I always recommend keeping devices out of the bedroom at night. That's yeah. a, like a hard line I, I recommend for most families. But what you're saying is with the older ones, it's really about what we're trying to teach them is for them to realize and be conscious about the impacts to themselves so they can course correct for themselves. Exactly. Because in a few years, we won't be there to That's take right. their screens away and they're going to have to figure out how to balance their schoolwork or, or job with screen, how to not get sucked in when they're scrolling. You know, we're, we're, yeah. I think adults as parents and caregivers, we're learning this stuff too. So yeah. All learn together. That's right, exactly. Uh, you know, so you talk about, um, I can just take this example and maybe sort of talk a little bit about your book on that side also. So this is a, a very interesting example because, you know, you're, you're basically saying, hey, we need to get our kids to understand um, that, or for them to get more conscious about what they're actually uh, feeling um, when certain things in the social um, sort of atmosphere actually happened or the social environment actually happens. Uh, and, you know, you talk about in your book about, you know, um, trying to understand um, what our kids are feeling and validating that feeling and then managing it, right? Now, in this particular case, I can totally picture a conversation that goes somewhat like, hey, you're not going to feel really good about that. And 
or, or how are you feeling and getting an answer like, I'm feeling just fine that nobody liked me, mm -hmm. right? So, so talk a little bit about like in a situation like that, how do we navigate that? Yeah, well, so in our book, the way it's structured is by different scenario chapters, but it always starts with something that your kid says to you. So in the situation where a kid says, um, oh, you know, my friend posted this really mean thing about me, like I'm so, and I just, I'm never going to be friends with her again, because, yeah. you know, kids will say things like that. Um, the idea is, to, I mean, if you can listen and your kid can explain how they're feeling, that's great. You don't need to do any more. You know, a kid who can yeah, say, awesome. oh, I'm so sad. Uh, I really, I'm disappointed in her for saying that. But at the same time, I really like her. I have mixed feelings. I'm so torn. But most kids can't say that because they don't. That's right. It's hard. It's hard to get them to really talk about that. They, they just yeah. say they're okay. Yeah, they just said they're, they're okay. And, right. but if, if they're saying like, I'm so mad, I'm never going to be her friend again. One thing you can do is try to take a moment to put yourself in your child's shoes to, we call it building a bridge, imagine what must it be like? So, it, I mean, that's a real betrayal. If you, you feel angry, if somebody posted something negative about you, you'd feel maybe sad and lonely. So, and then you put that, that what you've figured out, you put that as an educated guess back to the kid. So, you know, okay. oh man, like no wonder you wouldn't wanna, be friends with her anymore. I'd be so angry if my friend put something hurtful online, or I might even feel kind of sad that she, you know, didn't talk to me before she did it and that I wouldn't be able to hang out with her the next day. And it's a tentative thing. It's an educated guess. But in doing that, you're showing you're willing to be there with your child in the quote unquote negative emotion, you know, right. in the anger, the hurt. And then your child can always correct you. They can say, no, it's not that, it's this, and that's fine. But at least you've got them talking and you're right. giving them some words for the feelings. Um, and that's what helps them understand themselves better and deal with difficulty uh, with, with kind of a more resilient attitude. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you, if your child's of a certain age and you're having that conversation, um, if you seeded them with the words, um, they may say, yeah, I do feel that way and, and come back to you. If they're younger, I sort of feel like, you know, you seed them with the words and they just take the word and they go, yeah, that's right. That's, I'm feeling that way. How do you really know if they're actually feeling that way or they've just basically like uh, piggybacked on your words? I mean, you don't know for sure, but I think a lot of it is, is teaching. We're giving vocabulary, emotional vocabulary. Um, and it's okay. At first, the, the way we learn language is through mimicking, and then we figure out the meaning and what we want to use ourselves. So I don't worry too much about that. And with younger kids, of course, we change our language. It might be much simpler, you know, I'd be so, I'd be so mad, <laughs> you know, or you must, and you can talk about sensations too. Um, you must feel like you never want to see her again, you know, because right. If part of it is is teaching to be just more self-aware of the sensations, yep. the motivations, and and it's really just expressing I'm here with you in this moment. Right. I like I've got your back. I get it. You're not saying I agree. It's true. Like you're not you're not uh, validation isn't agreement. It's yeah. just saying like I I get it. I support you. I'm with you. Right. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. So. Uh, 
I mean, you know, maybe maybe the timing on your book is pretty good because I would think that you know, with with spending so much more time with our kids nowadays around uh, the pandemic, um, these would be good skills to actually have so that we can actually uh, manage these relationships with our children. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as somebody writing a book for a first time, maybe not the best timing. Uh, you know, I would never right. wish people to have to use to use it more, but I do think it's true. I mean, a lot of people cope normally by, oh, this is tough. I, you know, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go see my friends uh, yeah. or just not deal with it. And, and then we don't see each other for a day as much and it kind of blows over. But now yeah. everyone's stuck. And I mean, the good news is it's these rocky moments when we can get through them with our kids. That's what actually strengthens the relationship. Right. Yeah. Each one is an opportunity for improving connection. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on that point, uh, I talked a little bit in my intro about certain positives. Um, would love to hear it in your words in terms of, you know, what are some of the positives that, that we gain from, you know, being in a situation where we're forced to spend a lot more time than we otherwise would? Well, you know, there's this um, Australian uh, food commercial that asks kids, who would you want to invite over for dinner? And first they ask all the parents, who would you want to have over for dinner? And the parents are like, oh, I don't know, maybe Justin Bieber, maybe Nelson Mandela, uh, Kylie Minogue. And, yeah. and they're, you know, they're choosing famous people. And then they ask the, the kids and teens, who would you want to have dinner with? And the kids say, well, could it just be family? Could it, could it be like mom and dad? Right. Oh, what about family? You know, and of course the parents, I, I, I don't know if this is um, a real thing or not, but it rings true to me as someone who works with kids and families that kids actually, even teens, even the ones who say, you know, I, I get out of here, you're the worst mom ever. Like they yeah. want their parents. Um, and I think parents actually, our generation feels very insecure about our importance and our role, but we're all being forced to really live it right now. Right, right. To be there so much. Yeah. And where do you think that, I mean, why do we feel so insecure? I mean, who knows? Part of it could be a bit of like the, the medicalization or, or psychology around childhood. I mean, even one of the reasons I never particularly wanted to write a parenting book before is I didn't want to add to this idea that there's some expert who knows how to be your kid's parent better than you do. It's just yeah. not true. Uh, so maybe it's partly that, uh, maybe it's all this pressure around like hyper perfecting childhood, getting into the best school and being the captain of your sports team. So right. like there's this, in all of society, this drive towards achievement that I think yep. affects us as parents. And, um, and we forget the basics, like just hanging out, love, yeah. togetherness, um, right. that stuff is honestly what matters most. Yeah. Yeah. We get, we get caught up in the world around us. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's a great point. That's a great point. So, um, you know, in terms of just, um, the, back to the positives for a second, you know, what you were really saying is that it's, uh, kids actually are relatively simple. Um, they, they want to hang out with mom, dad, and family, and that's their comfort zone, uh, around it. Um, what are some of the things that parents could be doing around this time to just make the whole experience more positive or to help grow our children more during these times? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's, so if we go into 
uh, older kids and teenagers for a moment, yep. those guys, they do need their peers for sure. And yep. so we're still, we're still the basis. We're still home base. But one of the things we can do is really help them create safe social connection with their peers. And the ones who are more introverted to start with might need a little boost of like, oh, how do you even start playing online with friends instead of just by yourself? Or can you text a friend? Or can you go for a socially distanced walk with a friend? You know, So they need our support to figure that out. And the kids who are a little bit more on the risk-taking side need our help how to hang out with friends safely, like yeah. just to, to brainstorm that. But they need us to acknowledge it's important not to criticize them when they go maybe to a party, which of course they shouldn't be doing right now. Right. But acknowledge right. we all have this basic need for connection. So yeah. safe social connection is kind of one thing. Um, encouraging them to be physically active, whether it's sports or dancing in their you know, bedroom or yeah. lifting the weights you have at home and cans of whatever is in the pantry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so being physically active is is going to help with mood and and it, and for younger kids, play. Right? There's so much screen time now. There's so much emphasis on like educational toys. But what we know in my field is that just playing with whatever um, good the old staples, Play-Doh things outside, playing in the snow, if you have snow, like just free play is really, really important. And as a family to play, you know, it's, we, we're all so serious right now, but to find the little moments that we can be goofy together to celebrate things. Um, and then giving kids tasks that they yep. can feel some sense of competence, you know, folding the laundry isn't just folding the laundry, it's the satisfaction of when you get that last shirt folded or you put it into your drawer. And you know we can't change COVID, but we can pick up all the laundry off the floor and put it in our drawers. And that, sure. that sense of competency is really important. And if a kid has their own passion, whether it's baking or art or you know solving a Rubik's cube, yeah. encouraging them to do their passion so that they get that sense of satisfaction um, is really helpful at this time. So there's lots that we can still do uh, yeah. to help support our kids. Yeah, that makes so much sense. You know, it's kind of like giving them a sense of accomplishment, right? And and every every small accomplishment, that, you know, I used to say is like pennies of confidence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just building upon that. No, that's great. And, and I guess there's a bonus for parents too, because then uh, you can get the kids actually doing things around the house. Yeah, I mean, I personally really enjoyed this about the pandemic is uh, I, I realized why am I working so hard? I've got some really uh, good helpers here. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, personally been really a good uh, innovation during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I sometimes wonder that, you know, when, when it's over, we're going to go back to this kind of like oversubscribed lifestyle that certainly, you know, I, I look at some parents and, and we're in it, right? Driving kids from one sports activity to the other or or school events and things like that. So um, you'll we'll certainly miss a lot of these things. Yeah, that's going to be the, I mean, hopefully we get to ask ourselves that question is now that I have the choice, what do I want to keep from the slowed down lifestyle? Yeah, yeah. Very good point. Um, I'm just so glad that we talked about um, the positive sides of COVID because there's so much negativity around it. Um, 
So this has actually been really good to be able to kind of just surface some of these um, good things about it. So Ashley, you've, um, you've written a book recently. You're a child psychologist uh, or a psychiatrist, and you're also teaching at the, at the University of uh, British Columbia. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, how has this kind of changed you? Um, you know, have you sort of gained new perspectives in life? Uh, you know, what are some of the transformations that you've kind of gone through? Well, it, I mean, it's a wonderful field because every time you help someone, it helps you too. So I'm really quite lucky. And um, I think it's made me much more able to um, see what's important at home with my own kids, with my own family, um, to appreciate more when things are going well. That's been a real gift. And um, definitely my kids have, have given me a lot more empathy for what it's like to be a parent in general. So it just kind of works both ways. You know, before you have, before I had kids, I thought, oh, uh, you know, when I have my baby, I'll go to mom and baby yoga, and then I'll do, uh, you know, meet up with a friend. And I just had no idea, right? But, right? but then you realize, like, of course, kids, kids that change you, kids grow you, and it, you can't just stay the same. So I think the work is, is the same kind of process as I learn from every new person and family that I work with. And then I take some of that with me. And I learn from my kids and I bring that to work and I try not to bring too much of work to my kids because that's not fair to them, you know, to right. see as uh, uh, through the lens of anyone else. Uh, yeah. to see I was going to ask, I mean, do you like, it's got to be hard. I mean, what you do is like, you know, mediate kids and parents, right? Uh, and try to figure out what people or kids are actually feeling. And so do you feel like you get into that mode at home a lot of times? Well, my kids are, are very good at reminding me if I cross the line. Like they say, no, I don't want a therapist. I want a mom. So, yeah, I have, I, I, of course I'm at risk of that because it's my personality to start with, but they really keep me in line. Oh, that's great. That's excellent. <laughs> um, so uh, Ashley, you're a mom of two. Is there a feeling um, that you have as a mom that you would rather not feel? Oh, my own feeling? Yeah, well, I think uh, like many parents, I can I can also have times where I have uh, guilt or self-blame around something that I've done or not done and a worry. Um, so I, I can really relate, I think, to, to most parents in our culture now and that kind of experience. And yeah. what, one of the privileges, I think, of being a child psychiatrist is, of course, so we see the developmental piece of kids and the biological and genetic piece. And so I know that kids are complex and when kids have challenges that it, it's not just like, it's not that parents have caused it. And I think that that's a common misconception. You know, parents will, will often um, think, okay, my, my child's having a, a behavior problem. My child has depression. My child has anxiety, OCD, sure. whatever. Like, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Yeah. And, you know, even parents of kids with medical problems will sometimes say that to themselves. Like, my kid has diabetes. Where did I go wrong? But yeah. I know that parents don't cause mental illness. I mean, except in very rare circumstances. If we're talking about like neglect, abuse, sure. 
But for the most part, that's not the case. So my role is really to help people see how they can support their kids to um, recover from whatever they're going through, but hopefully to stay out of some of that self-blame and guilt. Yeah, that's such a such a good point um, because I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you know, as parents, people we want our kids to do the best, right? And so when they don't, you 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 blame yourself as the first person. Yeah, and it's it's so normal, and yet it just it's it's so unfortunate because then we're hurting, we're we're hurting even more for our kids, and yeah. what our kids need actually is for us to forgive ourselves or to not even blame ourselves in the first place. Right. Um, and to just accept like, okay, this is what's going on right now. What can we do to help? But easier said than done, right? It's just. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about any challenges or frustrations that, um, that you've kind of um, just experienced, um, you know, in, in kind of your job or maybe even sort of writing the book recently. Um, I think the, the biggest challenge probably for people in, in mental health right now is just seeing how some of the support services for kids and families can't happen because of the pandemic and just wanting really to help. But some of these are the you know, social programs like uh, respite for kids with neurodevelopmental issues. So really just having a lot, of, a lot of need and not a good way to fix it. And what I found has helped a lot is just regular check-ins with families and uh, family doctors, some family doctors are calling families, you know, once a month or just checking right. in with parents. And yeah. so it's not like the more intense service that there used to be, but it's yeah. something, it's that connection for the parents, right? To have someone That's to- right. a little bit of maintenance. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so tell me about just uh, your book and how it's structured, uh, and then where can um, where can uh, parents get it? Sure. So, well, the book is um, really about all the rocky moments, things that come up with kids. So one chapter is called uh, "You Love My Sister More." Another is "I Don't Want to Do My <laughs> Homework." Another is "How to Deal with It When Two Siblings Are." Um, you know, punching each other over the remote control. And there's also a chat, there's a chapter on, um, on uh, getting along with your co-parent uh, or other adults involved in your child's life, because of course, sometimes mm -hmm. the tension comes from that. Uh, and, and finally, one, which is my, I think, favorite called the do-over, which is about what do you do once you've said something you regret to your kid or it didn't go well, how do you go back and um, make it uh, better. So every chapter follows the same kind of structure of understanding the problem and some things you can say. Uh, and it's not just about validation. That's the other thing. Uh, you know, some parents really are quite good already at being with emotions. And the book also has sections on how do you get practical? What are the, what are the practical strategies to help a kid move through a difficult situation? Like if they're stuck on a decision, you know, so one chapter is I can't decide and they don't know which of their projects to do. So how do you practically move a kid through? Um, and so th those are kind of the basics. There's also a chapter on joy and being with joy, because it's actually some of us, we feel uncomfortable about being too happy, even yeah. especially in a time like this in a pandemic, maybe we've lost loved ones, if things are very serious. How do we how do we be with joy, you know, so so that's another chapter in the book. Um, 
and uh, it's available in uh, online. It's available if you're in in BC through Kids Books, Vancouver Kids Books, which is a nice local um, bookstore here. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, we're really we're really excited about about the book and about uh, people having more access to this because it's based on parent workshops that uh, my co-author Dr. LaFrance developed and parents would come to the workshops and and say like this is great but you yeah. know I need more support what do I say when I'm back home I'm not in the workshop anymore so we wanted to pack sort of like all the goodness out of the workshop into a book format so people could have something to refer that's to cool. in their own home. Yeah, that's great. You know, as you were going through sort of the, the titles of the chapters, uh, I think every single time you you talked about one of the titles, I was like, oh yeah, I have, I've been there. I've been there. I would love to read more about this. So so I think it's going to be uh, extremely valuable for, uh, for parents. And um, what we will do is uh, when we actually post this episode of the podcast, we'll put the Amazon... Um, uh, links and any other links that you may want to share with us um, on the posting itself, uh, so parents can uh, can click on it and uh, and get it where they get it easily. Thank you so much. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ashley. I really appreciate you being here. It's uh, yeah. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Jason. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. We would really appreciate if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or send us any feedback to reachingroots at wishslate.com. Also, download the Wishslate app to help organize wish lists for your family and change the way you gift. You can download this from www.wishslate.com slash download.